0: Hey, Money Bosses, calling all busy parents on the path to financial freedom. You've got 15 seconds? I have some big news to share. The Money Boss podcast has been submitted for the prestigious Plutus Awards, recognizing the best in finance podcasting. Your nomination can make a huge difference. Imagine gaining valuable insights and practical tips while juggling work, taking care of the family, and everything in between. Well, we can't do it without you. So please visit the Plutus Awards nomination page at PlutusAwards.com slash nominate and select Best Family or Couples Personal Finance Content category. Together, let's empower our parent community, navigate the financial challenges, and build the life they always dreamed of. Thank you for your support. get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Shorgunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. Hey, Money Bosses, Annie's here, and welcome back to the Money Boss Podcast. I am continuing our legacy series of episodes that I found and my listeners found the most useful over these last three years as we're getting ready to relaunch this show. And today I wanted to bring you the episode that aired when podcast hit 100 episodes. And back then, which wasn't that long ago, I thought it was an awesome, awesome milestone. But here we are now almost at a 200 episodes. And so it keeps on giving. And today I wanted to to bring back an episode where I get to share my own money story. I invited Yuri, my husband, to ask me some interesting questions that hopefully will help you think about your own money a little bit and too, like as I was getting ready to record this introduction, I was thinking about the connection. Like look looking back at or hearing back the episode that we recorded 2 years ago and thinking about it now, things have changed life has changed our skills have improved we've made more money we saved more money our kids gotten older so that money story that you know i shared it keeps on giving it keeps on growing so as you think about your legacy and what are you going to live in this world think about that money story that you're creating for yourself every day of your life i'm excited for you to tune in again And thanks so much for being part of this journey with me all the way. We really are almost at the finish line for this free launch. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback of what would be the most valuable for you as a listener to focus on. And of course, uh, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to leave me a review because I love getting those. um, Once they pop in in my inbox, that really makes my day because on the other hand of this podcast, there is a listener and I know that um, you're tuning in and you're spending a your valuable tie. So thanks so much again for being on this journey with me. I hope you enjoyed to hear my money story and it, as it grows with me, it grows with you. And until next time, you remember you are the boss of your own money. Money story, we all have one. And today I'm excited to share mine. I thought for episode 100, I would do something different. I've had guests on this podcast, and I decided that perhaps I can be my own guest. And so here you go. I invited my significant other, my husband of 16 years, Yuri Sergunian, to have a conversation with me so that we can chat about some of the things that I may have not shared with you yet. So tune in into our conversation, and let's have some fun. Hey, Money Bosses. So excited to be back, Anna from the Money Boss podcast. Excited for this conversation today for a couple of reasons. Number one is I've got my significant other, my hubby Yuri, but we almost are at 16 years wedding anniversary coming up. So I wanted to invite him to join me for a conversation, but. But the focus of today's conversation is not me interviewing him, but him interviewing me. And I wanted to kind of dive into the topic of a money story. And uh, I couldn't think of a better person to have that conversation because, because why not? So and, uh, and, you know, another reason is uh, we're at a 100th episode for, for this podcast. And so I think it's something to celebrate. So with all of these reasons, uh, Yuri, I'm so excited to have you over here.
1: Likewise. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> well, let's talk. Pretend nobody's here. Let's have a conversation. But I am actually kind of thinking that you probably should know the answers to most of these questions because we've been together for so long. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I hope so. I hope. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking for these questions. Uh, I put together some really interesting questions. So I hope your audience would uh, would appreciate these. Let's do this. Let me just go back to, I guess the most important question, and it's about your career and why did you become a financial planner? I know that uh, this was not the first choice of yours, but why why financial planning, what drove you?
0: Yeah, no, totally totally a valid question, especially on the financial planning podcast, but I always think of myself as as, as an accidental financial planner. Um, it's true. That was not my intent to begin with, especially when I started college and was really heavily focused on taking a lot of biology and chemistry classes. And the reason is because I wanted to become a doctor. And so that was, at least in my mind at the time, an ideal career for a woman that you know comes from an immigrant family. And so you sort of have these ideals about, you know, what are you supposed to do with your life, right? Or what your parents have taught you you're supposed to do with your life. So I was on that track. I was really happy with with that. I loved I love taking all of those courses, but about halfway into college, I started to be more interested in the business arena for a variety of reasons. And I, yeah. And then I decided that that was where what I wanted to uh, end up with, you know, in terms of college education. So I switched majors. Uh, One of the other reasons is because I realized that I didn't want to be in school for so long. If, you know, if I was going to go the route of becoming a doctor. So I, um, you know, went and switched my majors and I decided that in the business school, they had what do they have? Like three, I think, or three options you could focus on: accounting, you can focus on finance, and you can focus on marketing. So I knew I didn't like the accounting. That's your thing. You, <laughs> that's what you did. So I'm like, all right, marketing. You know, back then this was 2003, I think 2002. I'm like, yeah, I didn't really quite understand what the marketing thing was. It's different now. So I'm like, okay, I'll do finance, and it just sounded really big, really exciting, and so that's what I did. But As I got into it and time came to graduate, um, I was taking uh, one of my uh, last courses I had to take was an investment course. And that's really where where I got my feet wet into the space of investments in general, but also personal finances. I didn't know any of that. It didn't exist in my world. And so that's it. That's where I was 17 years ago. And that's how I kind of got into, into the topic of personal finances. And then all of a sudden, I sort of had this, this epiphany, my kind of a wish for becoming a doctor. And then, you know, this track and career in financial planning sort of, you know, married the two like, wow, I can still help people. So I can be their financial doctor. And so that's the reason why.
1: Interesting. Yeah pretty cool and uh, I don't know if you remember my initial major uh, in college was actually finance and then I switched from finance to accounting because at that time I thought that finance is just too broad of a major to go into I chose accounting because it was more specific more more narrow
0: not, no, that's true. I've, I I forget that. I have I've, I've always thought of you as a kind of pursuing that path for the accounting to begin with. Yeah, no, thanks for reminding me.
1: <laughs> this, yeah, was,
0: this was long ago.
1: <laughs> well, I can tell you that financial planning is definitely been you know on the everyone's um, ear lately, and uh, there's definitely a huge push for financial planning, you know, corporate and private world. And that leads me to the next question. Can you tell us what type of financial planning do you do within the financial planning realm?
0: Sure, I can. First of all, when I started on this path with learning about the financial planning process, and uh, oh, by the way, for the listeners, because I know you guys don't know, but Yuri Yuri and I went to the same college the last two years. We went to the same university. So (laughs) that's how I attended the same courses as far as you know, business goal goes. So in the financial planning space, and it's really broad, I've learned about it pretty early in my career. So I'm really, I guess, got really lucky. I wanted to focus on the actual planning piece of so really working with clients one-on-one in terms of like, what are their goals? What they're trying to accomplish? So there's a space for that. When I started to look into this career as like on the serious note, saying okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to be a financial planner? Because there's this other space that wasn't as attractive to me in terms of like having to sell products and you know kind of do you know door to door knocking, which is which is still okay. It's very much needed, but that's not what I was interested in. As as a you as, as, as a you know a doctor sort of mentality that I had, I found this little corner of the marketplace where you could do that. And and it's called fee-only financial planning. So in this kind of realm, we still talk about you know portfolio and there's you know obviously conversations around how to do that, but it's heavily focused on helping clients create a roadmap. And over the years I I started to call it a money roadmap because it not only helps you see where are you going, you know, have a path, but also know like why you're doing certain things, why are you saving? For certain goals why are you investing not only the how because the how is is what i get to help you figure out but the why and that really was what really got me excited about this whole process so like connecting the how and the why because the biggest disconnect i see with clients is it's doing all these things because somebody told you you have to save or somebody told you you like supposed to pay the debts off or if you're, you know, kind of at the end of your career, and like, OK, well, how do I make all of this work? So I'm excited about the why part. And that's where that roadmap, money roadmap, really helps you do that.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh, when I think about financial planning, I usually think about uh, large institutions, you know, like Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, Schwab, right, large Brokerage houses that essentially manage money for their clients, and they do financial planning as part of the service. And I think that's been probably one of my biggest revelations: is that the financial planning field is so vast, and there's, uh, there's so many services within financial planning, and it's not just accessible to ultra wealthy or you know um, rich people, but it's it's accessible to uh, anyone who is looking for foreign advice on an hourly basis or uh, any other type of arrangement. But what other myths you can debunk? What other ideas do you think people have in their minds about financial planning that's just not true?
0: Yeah, sure, uh, Yuri. And it's interesting because in my career over the last 17 years, and even in in, in the space of the fee-only financial planning and really working with making it available to, to everyone, I've really seen... a bit of shift not only like with technology and and how it allowed us even like in times like you know we're still going through the pandemic to work remotely but also you know in that space where you can make it more available to everyone so one of the things that i've been passionate about is to show right and and even kind of the team that i have you know that i've been able to put together here at main street is that financial planning in its own and the career in the financial planning is is a really awesome runway for women to consider. Because with a lot of flexibility, you can create that balanced life that you want. You can raise a family, right? Because I'm doing that myself now. You can have the free time, you know, in the balance of all the things to to pursue other interests. And I'm extremely proud of what Main Street team has come to be. And we're 90% female, this year so far, our founder Jim Ledwick is still still with us, and this is his uh, last year until he hits retirement. But having to come from where it is kind of the opposite, right, and where women are not even thought of as an option, really made me proud to see this kind of a evolution on its own.
1: Makes sense. Yeah, pretty interesting. And uh, I think you, you're definitely right is that the financial planning as a career provides a lot of different choices and uh, flexibility for people, especially in today's day and age when you can use a lot of different tools to streamline your business and to to streamline the way you help clients. It's definitely a cool career that you know I would definitely recommend to anyone. But tell us more about your biggest mistakes. So I know... And let's just uh, maybe keep it specifically to the world of business and finance. What biggest money mistakes have you made, if any, at all?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I should say I haven't made any money mistakes. I'm a financial planner, right? No, that would not be true. But I think the just like any you know, just like anyone else, there are things that I've done that I'm not proud. But one in particular, and um you can attest to that as well, this was pre-financial planning days, and I want to use this as an example for others. So this was when I was a freshman in college early in 2004. And I remember both of us went to Towson University, so the second largest school in Maryland. And so there's a huge campus. You like have to take a bus to go from one building to another, right? So I remember walking across as a freshman, right? You're like excited about life and, and things that you're planning to do. And so there were these salesmen, right, standing on every corner possible with little clipboards signing up all the, all the students for credit cards. And like, oh, free credit card, you know, you can you can do whatever you want. I mean, what, what else can you offer to a freshman in college, right, who has a part-time job and wants to have a couple extra, I don't know, $100 of spending money. So well, I thought to myself, like, wow, wouldn't that be cool to have a credit card? And so I did sign up. And I know the first one that I got was, I got a whipping $500 limit. So I thought I hit a jackpot, Uh, having a $500 that I could borrow, right, and then pay back. And so, I mean, after one credit card, there was another credit card. And so it kind of went from there where all of a sudden when I graduated, I realized that not only I had student loans that I had to pay off, right, as, as part of my responsibility, but also I had a credit card pile that... (laughs) going into the world of a graduate was not the most proud decision. But had I known more about personal finances and, you know, some of the basic things, and that's actually one of the things that I've been frustrated the most, kind of going through that experience and thinking back, I I graduated with a business administration degree, concentration finance, and like personal management of money one-on-one was not a requirement for anyone to take. So it's just looking back at that, I probably would have been in a much better position. And had I had an understanding of like, how do you use a credit card? And when is it appropriate? When is it not? And, you know, I think that's the the one mistake that I'm the most vocal about.
1: Yeah, and to your point regarding financial planning, I, as far as I understand, there's a huge movement right now to include financial planning, at least some parts of it, into the university curriculum and offer classes, make it a uh, mandatory, essentially. And I agree, I think this is, it's definitely one of the things that's missing right now in our society, where... People come out of college. They're you know in their early 20s and they have no idea you know how to balance a checkbook or using the the modern terms how to you know go online and check their balance, right? Yeah. So I, I agree with you with that, and I do remember remember your uh, low and uh, your. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the part that's the most embarrassing. Not so much the credit card debt, but Yuri and I also were, uh, I guess, young and silly. I don't know. We were in love, and so we got married uh, while we are both still were in college. And so, yeah, that's the part that I'm most embarrassed about. But anyway, that's been gone. Uh, we've done better <laughs> than that. Becoming a new parent is extraordinary, life-changing event that brings a mix of emotions, from joy to worry. Excitement and fear. Suddenly, you're not only responsible for yourself, but also for another little person who depends on you for everything, and it's okay to feel overwhelmed. But remember, you've got this. Did you know that raising a child from birth to age 18 can cost over $234,000 on average? And that does not even include things like daycare, private school, or college savings for the future. Planning for these expenses is crucial, and that's where the Money Parent Checklist comes in. I've created this resource for new parents like you to get you started. It will help you adapt and prepare for your new financial reality. It's a comprehensive guide that covers everything from setting up a budget for your new family, planning baby expenses, securing your child's future, and even preparing for those exciting college years ahead. Yes, I've got you covered from A to Z so you can focus on cherishing those precious moments with your little one. But don't let money worries get in the way of creating unforgettable memories. Visit parentmoneychecklist.com today and grab your free copy.
1: So let's see. So on that note, so if you would have, say, $1,000 in discretionary income, so if someone would give you $1,000 right now, how would you spend it, and why?
0: Yeah, that's a good question, and I think this definitely ha- has evolved in my head as I grew. Not only you know personally from the mistakes I've made, but also professionally, I've seen what other people do. I think the most recent kind of development really is the is the phase of motherhood for me, and and how it shifted the values. Of what i what I'm focused on and and where I want to spend my time. And now that we've uh, settled into our new home, we finished the remodel. so like all these big things that seem to be on the on the agenda for a while are sort of they're done in there. And so and, and even like thinking about this year after the pandemic, i I really want to focus more with whatever free money we have in our budget is on creating memories and and that is, if can we have a family getaway weekend? And we tend to do those free fairly frequently, but can we go, can we do that more? Can we have family trips where, you know, we get to take Liam with us? So really focusing on, on those memories as opposed to accumulating stuff. So that's, that's the phase. Maybe it will change at some point, but I, I'm sticking to it.
1: Okay. So a couple more questions. Who do you think are the three people um, who've been the most influential to you when it comes to your personal finances?
0: Yeah, I think definitely my parents, uh, if I had to think back. And it, it really comes down to having to come from an immigrant family who really instilled this uh, in me at the very young age that the best position for, or the best place for, you know, a woman to be is to really focus on, you know, the hard work. Have that work ethic and be independent, and so that definitely shaped the understanding I have about money. Yeah, of course, we talked about the mistakes I've made, but (laughs) that's not that's not having the actual tools to work with. But I also think that a lot of what I learned about personal finance has really come from my profession, and so I give a lot of credit to that. So mentors I had along the way, um, and then of course the work that I've done with clients over the years too.
1: Makes sense. Yep. What's your favorite source of information to stay up to speed about money, personal finance, business? Do you uh, you read any magazines? Do you uh, follow uh, anyone's Twitter accounts? How do you stay up to speed within your industry?
0: Yeah, totally. That's one thing that I do a lot of, um, especially reading, uh, you know, various professional publications when it comes to personal finances, because there's the, you know, the consumer sort of version and then stuff that I have to know as a professional. I have to stay up with a lot of continued education credits in order to maintain my license, the certified financial planning license. So there's definitely that part of, of, of education that I have to do, but more on kind of a fun side, um, you know, when I scroll through my phone or I have a break. So I, I do like Wall Street Journal uh, as a publication. Money Magazine and Kiplinger's are go-to sources for me because that gives me an idea and exposure into things that are everyone else is reading, right? and questions that our clients are asking. And so I love those for that idea. A couple of my favorite blogs are mint.com. I've been following Mint for a long time um, for those who, and I've talked a lot about this on the podcast already. We use mint.com as a platform for tracking their expenses passively. So they really have a cool blog on lots of various topics. So check that out. A couple more, bankrates.com. I love Bankrate. Use that a lot on, in my day-to-day work to check on what the current savings rates are on you know various accounts, what mortgage rates are. And they also have just lots of different layers and tools around personal finance I've been quoted quite a bit by these publications, so I'm a loyal follower, nerdwallet.com, it's a cool site that started as a search tool for folks to figure out what's the best credit card and, you know, where you can find the the best rate or, you know, the cheapest, uh, you know, or the best rewards. They kind of evolved over the years too into, you know, more robust platform for reading. So I enjoy that very much. Now, since we're here on a podcast platform, you're probably thinking, "Well, is she, does she only <laughs> does she only consume written word?" No, not so much. I I uh, very much enjoy listening to podcasts, especially on my short drive from my house to uh, Liam's daycare, <laughs> and on the way back when I drop him and uh, drop him off. So, I uh, one of my favorites is kind of uh, lately have been a podcast by uh, Jenna Kutcher called The Goal Digger. She talks a lot about business, motherhood, kind of, it's not so much for personal finance, but I get a lot of ideas from her. And then um, a few money-related podcasts. I like Farnoos Tarabi's So Money, and then Millennial Money by Shauna Gay. She's been a guest on this podcast as well, so I'm a really big supporter. But yeah, that's, those are the places that I get most of my ideas from.
1: Very cool. Well, switching gears, let's have some fireside fun questions, so to speak. I have uh, like probably 10 questions that I want to uh, hear your, your answers to. Uh, these are not related to financial planning, these are more personal questions to you, if that's okay.
0: Yeah, I'd love to.
1: All right, let's see. What are you reading these days?
0: Yeah. <laughs> When you ask me that question, the first thing comes to mind are llama, llama, red pajama. That's the, that's the every night book that I tend to read these days. But uh, we have a almost two and a half year old, uh, Liam, who loves books. So a lot of my time uh, or our time spent on you know reading kids books, which I very much enjoy just because, I mean, they're cool, fun things for me to spend that precious time with Liam. But, you know, most recently uh, in terms of reading, I've been focusing more on Uh, business books, particularly marketing books. That's the topic that's always um, trying to find new and interesting ways of doing things. And then uh, personal development. So right now, what I have on my night stand are um, actually two books. I don't know if you're going to be excited about those, but (laughs) one is uh, Traffic Secrets by uh, Russell Brunson. That's um, a book kind of focusing on how to drive Traffic right or um, into um, into your sales funnels and and really more into your website and and, and things like that. and the second one is dot com secrets by the same person. That's the current uh, phase of my reading.
1: Very cool. okay, let's see next question favorite drink
0: I would say definitely coffee that's the, the, the one of the first things I want to have in the morning and wine of course we we live in the wonderful area where we can, we can have access to Napa Valley or Sonoma Valley within like an hour and a half driving distance. So I would love to say wine.
1: And I know you cook. I can attest to that. So um, what's your favorite dish?
0: So most of the times um, it's kind of a, you know, quick and dirty, but I want to say pasta. That's, that's something that I can always come back to and, and, and really be happy about.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay let's see next question favorite self care practice
0: Well, massage i've um, <laughs> i i have you you should have known an answer to that but that's something too uh, it's just a bit of a kind of a story on that but i have evolved quite a bit with that because early in my year, years in my 20s and you know early 30s that sort of sort of seemed to me like a a very unattainable kind of you know luxury thing but once for those of you who are not doing it regularly once you get get into getting massages, that is something that is really, really good health practice too. So yeah, massage anytime.
1: Let's see, Apple or BC?
0: Oh, Apple, Apple anytime, all day long. <laughs> what Apple product do we not have? You should ask <laughs> Liam. <laughs> he, know, he knows what an iPad is and what uh, you know what an iPhone is too. So yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's the uh, next question is iPhone or Samsung?
0: Oh, iPhone. Yeah, hands down.
1: Yeah, I know. You're Apple girl.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: perfect. Okay, so a little bit more complicated. So uh, personal motto you live by.
0: Yeah, this one I love, um, I love a lot. And I, anytime I sort of encounter a challenge, it, it, regardless whether it's a personal challenge, business challenge, just a challenge in life, I, I just remind this to myself, is that maybe time, it is hard, but going through it is a one-way And always kind of thinking that if I don't give up, and so this is a famous quote by um, Winston Churchill, but never, never, never give up. So that seems to kind of get me through through those times.
1: Yeah, and I love that quote. What do you value the most in life? You can mention really anything from material world or spiritual world, or what's the highest value that you put on something?
0: I think honestly, if I had to come up with one word, that would be where I would focus. Because I think at the end of the day, you can see that in, in, in the relationships, uh, whether it's personal relationships, you can see that at a workplace. So I, I I think for me, that's definitely top of the list.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think same, same for me. I think honesty and then loyalty, which right. feeds into honesty. What's the vision you have? Uh, I know... That this podcast's been uh, your your baby, so to speak. What's the vision for this podcast, for Money Boss Podcast? And congrats! I know it's uh, it's a milestone uh, over hundred episodes so far. But where do you see this thing going, and what do you want to achieve with this?
0: Yeah, I know. Thank you so much. A uh, hundred episodes seems like almost done nothing, but <laughs> a lot of a lot of conversations and a lot of episodes recorded, which actually, I'm still very much um, enjoy doing. I think the focus going forward, I've been exploring a lot of different topics, a lot of different ideas. And one of the things that I've done with my team at Main Street earlier this year, and just kind of really more personally for myself, is that we declared a theme, a theme of what do we like really want to be doing and kind of, you know, what do we have sort of at hand and where are we going? And so the theme is focus. And so with kind of thinking about that, if, if it's the time I spend at work, you know, what do I do in my daily activities? And even kind of like when I sit down to think about topics to talk on this podcast, and who is it that I really want to connect with? And so I've been focusing, you know, a lot on, on families, families like yours and mine, Yuri, right, who are going through a lot in their life right now, running businesses, climbing the career ladder, raising kids, and just having crazy, crazy lives. And so I hope that the, the the topics and conversations that I, you know, envision having for the podcast with future guests is going to help, you know, only amplify, you know, the decisions you make about your personal finances and, and really help you thrive in, in the life that you want. So my, my focus is bringing the best I can, because I am honestly, truly interested myself to find all the answers. And so I'm looking forward to, to the next phase of this.
1: Very cool. And tell us where can listeners connect with you online? Where can uh, people find you? I know you are on social media. Uh, Where can people go to find you?
0: Well, definitely tune in here three times per week here on the money boss podcast. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you should expect to reconnect with us and and get a new episode uh, notification. Make sure you subscribe And then uh, Instagram probably would be the best place for me right now where I have the time and the energy at the end of the day to check in (laughs) and connect with you. And my handle is first name Anna, number eight. And then my last name, Sergunina, S-E-R-G-U-N-I-N-A.
1: That's all I had. So uh, thank you. That was very cool. I think it was very different from other podcasts that you had. That's pretty much it. So thank you.
0: Thanks. Yes. Thank you, Yuri, so much. It's it's very much of a different experience to be a guest on a podcast, but it's a whole lot of different experience to be a guest on your own podcast. So I appreciate you taking the time. You should have asked me a question <laughs> that I may have not been thinking about, but maybe that's for the next time. So well, everyone, next time. <laughs> exactly. Everyone, thanks so much for tuning in and please don't forget to subscribe. And until next time, remember, You are the bosses of your own money. Hey, Money Boss. Thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it, too. After all, smart financial decisions are for everyone. uh, So don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio, and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to MainStreet-Money.com to get your free resource guide to help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes I see people make all the time. Such as not having clear financial goals not having a handle on spending or saving for the future, not knowing how to get rid of all the debts, and of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your money.